Well, the Kentucky Wildcats absolutely torched Miami in the second half to secure a huge win in the ACC-SEC Challenge. And folks, John Calipari and Kentucky, they just might be demanding your respect. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, folks? Happy Wednesday. Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton. Today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by Prize Picks. Folks, go to prizepicks.com slash college. Use that promo code LockedOnCollege, and you'll get a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Well, thrilled to be joined today by Leaf to Lean on our regular Wednesday show. We got a great opportunity to break down some fantastic games from Tuesday, particularly in that ACC-SEC challenge. We'll talk about Clemson's win over Alabama. We'll talk about a big win for Syracuse. Not a great game for Pitt. We'll talk about all that. Also, Kansas narrowly escapes Eastern Illinois. We'll talk about what happened there and what that might mean for them going forward and preview tonight Wednesday's slate of ACC-SEC games jam-packed episode. Leaf, let's get right into it. We got to start with those Wildcats of Kentucky. No Aaron Bradshaw. No Yagana and Yenso, no Zvonimir Visic. They still don't have any of their three seven-footers, and yet they go out, lose DJ Wagner in early in the game with an injury, and then drop 57 second-half points on a team that went to the Final Four, that went to the Elite Eight last couple of years in Miami. Tremendous, tremendous showing from this Kentucky team. How impressed were you with this performance from the Wildcats? Very impressed. I, I think... They were both impressive on offense and defense. Sometimes in these type of wins, you're like, oh, okay, they're really good at this. And then they mm-hmm. had a good shooting day. And like you can you can brush aside something for being anomalous. Mm-hmm. Well, they turn defense into offense, which obviously helps your offense. They are shorthanded, like you mentioned, but I'm not sure it's a bad thing. I think it's better to have no bigs early. Mm-hmm. And, but the one concern I would have is if you get a big and they come in with like all the heralded um recruiting and, and everything mm-hmm. these expectations i hope that bradshaw in particular mm-hmm. uh doesn't necessarily need a steady diet of offense because their offense and i've got i've got a, some statistics to back this up is really really impressive right now like the the diet of shots they're getting is unbelievable so if he's able to just step in and be a rim protector which kentucky's always had you go through all their best teams like anthony davis is an obvious one willie collie stein even mm-hmm. even they had lee as a backup on that team that had Towns and Willie Colley Stein, mm-hmm. like all those good teams, rim protection. So if he can be that, and then they have their guards and their pace, I'm really sold. But here's some stats for you: Kentucky ranks number one nationally in lowest turnover percentage, number three in offensive efficiency, number four in three point percentage, and effective field goal percentage. And the Cats have scored 621 points of 661 points on threes in the paint or free throws, aka their mid range is just gone. The yeah. last couple of years. They've had Oscar Shibway shoot a ton of mid-range jump shots. They've had guys shoot floaters that aren't particularly good at shooting floaters. So that Kentucky's playing like modern basketball to a T, and they're playing small ball without necessarily needing to or wanting to initially play small ball. So I'm a little curious how the return of a big or multiple bigs impacts them, but I'm all in on them being a contender because they can really defend and they can really shoot it. A team lacking you know, lacking bodies in the front court and relying so heavily on freshman guards, having the best like turnover margin in the country is an incredible feat. And I think it speaks so much to the talent level of the, I mean, 
honestly, Leaf, they have three NBA point guards on this roster, I think. And I'm going to kind of ask you to put your NBA draft hat on, obviously, as somebody who contributes over at the Locked On NBA Big Board. I mean, Wagner had to go out of, out of this game with an injury. I think as of right now, I'm not sure we know a ton of details on, on what that means for him going forward. But Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham have been absolutely incredible all season long. And, and for people who watched Kentucky for the first time on Tuesday, you're probably wondering why Shepard's coming off the bench. He had 21 points in this game. Dillingham almost had a double-double, 12-9 and nine again. They played more than usual because of Wagner's injury, but those three guys have looked absolutely incredible. And Leaf, I'm curious, you know, as you watch this game through that lens, uh, looking at the NBA draft, what you've thought of those guys in particular. Yeah, their guard situation is very interesting because if you were to look at the most heralded NBA prospects that mm -hmm. came in as recruits, everyone was saying Justin Edwards is a top mm -hmm. five pick. And then DJ Wagner is probably a top 10 pick. And then Rob Dillingham's probably a late first round, maybe a second round pick. And no one, and I mean no one, had Reed Shepard mm -hmm. as a one and done. Right now, I just looked at, uh, as you were talking, I looked at Tankathon, which I don't think is the greatest uh, mm -hmm. in terms of compiling uh, a draft board that I think is accurate, but it mm -hmm. is good at like creating, hey, this is what the information of everyone likes. This is what their stats are. Mm -hmm. He's He was not there yesterday, and now he's number 24. Yeah. So uh, there's, there's definitely four Kentucky Wildcats in the top 25, and that doesn't even include Bradshaw, um, who hasn't played yet. So – to answer your question, I think the one that helps them the most on the court is probably Dillingham who creates. And I think he has the best case of being a lottery pick right now. I think Justin Edwards probably has the most going for him in terms of, mm -hmm. hey, this will probably amount to being a lottery pick just because of its physical talent. Yeah. And then Reed Shepard, I'm not quite entirely sold that he's a one and done yet mm -hmm. just because shooting that well on a, on a small sample size yeah. doesn't mean as much to me. But he he makes them better on a college basketball court. I can tell you mm -hmm. that much with certainty. Like their best lineup to me is playing those those guards together off the bench rather than their starters and their senior Reeves. And, and let me fire a question back at you. Mm -hmm. If they're in a close game, and and I kind of would say this about Kansas, but it was too early to tell. Mm -hmm. Do you think Antonio Reeves uh, is someone who helps them or or kind of hurts their team? Because he came in as their leading scorer, but I feel like he has a minimal impact even. And I'd watch them play twice already. I don't feel like his 19 per game were, were like a loud 19 per game. Yeah, it's. In, I mean, Reeves was kind of expected to be their kind of a go-to guy in some ways. And he hasn't looked – I mean, he's not their, even their best guard this year with the way that those guys – are playing coming off the bench. I think Reed is a bit more of an inefficient Reeves Reeves, excuse me, is a bit more of an inefficient scorer. And I do think he still helps them. And I think his veteran leadership is important for them, but yeah, the, the way that those other guards are playing, like it would not surprise me, especially as they continue to improve and adapt and adjust uh, that if, if towards the end of some close games and conference play, if, if potentially Reeves isn't the guy, he might still be on the floor, but he might not be the guy getting the ball. They might be going to Dillingham, uh, or Wagner or even Shepard potentially in some of those late game situations, which yes, yeah, not, not coming into the season. We were like, who's going to help Antonio Reeves. And now we're having a conversation. It's not even December. And we're already having a conversation of like, is Reeves even going to be the guy that they go to? That's a, a wild uh, first month of, of basketball for John Calipari's team. And they're, like you said, they're going to continue to grow and get better. And it's going to be really interesting to see what this team looks like in February or March. Yeah. I think here, here are some stats for you about those freshmen. I've, I've been doing some digging. Because uh, I knew we'd talk about Kentucky with mm -hmm. Reed Shepard on the court, the offensive rating is a 136, 
which is plus 20. Mm-hmm. The defensive rating is an 86, which is minus 30. And, and for those of you listening, you want to be lower on defense. You want mm-hmm. to be higher on offense. Uh, with Dillingham on the court, it's a similar 136 on offense, which is the plus 20. 97 on defense, which is a minus 2, mm-hmm. which is solid. With Edwards on the court, 124 on offense, which is a minus 11. Um, and then a 102 on defense, which is a plus 12, which, once again, you want to be more negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Wagner on the court, I know this is not quite fair for yesterday because yeah. he was out 114 on offense, which is a minus 37, and a 103 on defense, which is a plus 14. So metrics would really favor Reed Shepard as the best mm-hmm. one and done freshman on this team. So last question for you on this game before we move on and start talking a little bit about that Clemson-Bama game. Uh, and it's hard to know because they're not even at full strength yet, and it's still really early in the year. And you, you mentioned you think they're a contender. Like, is this the team for for Calipari that that finally kind of breaks through that that struggles that they've had in the NCAA tournament? Like, it's hard for me to to look at this team and not envision a reality where they're in the Elite Eight or the Final Four. But at the same time, they're a really young team, and and you never really know. We've seen great John Calipari teams struggle in March. Like, what what is your early read? Uh, and again, way too early as we're talking about this in November. But what's your kind of read on this team right now in terms of potential NCAA tournament success? I think they should be an Elite Eight team, a Final yeah. Four team. I, I'll say this. I feel pretty confident they'll be a Sweet 16 team. Mm-hmm. And my concerns hinge on my turn, your turn type of basketball yeah. in a game that someone slows them down. Like mm-hmm. what they've been great at is turning offense into uh, defense into offense. And then they keep they take care of ball, the ball themselves. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how well they've shot. Obviously, it helps when you shoot unbelievably like you did against mm-hmm. Miami. But there were times where... Miami didn't turn the ball over in the first half, and it was very competitive. Um, but the pace always favored Kentucky. So let's say they play a team that plays very slowly, mm-hmm. and now you need to create who's going to do it, and that's mm-hmm. the type of game that scares me. Yeah. My three favorite teams in the Kentucky era that mm-hmm. have been played are Anthony Davis's team. Obviously, they won the title, mm-hmm. and he was a special player. The team that had uh, Emmanuel Quickly as the SEC Player of the Year, Tyrese Maxey, Ashton Haggins, Montgomery, and Washington, and then this one. Because mm-hmm. they move the ball. They move the ball. They have multiple players. They shoot good shots and they run. And they play to what their personnel's good at as opposed to what Calipari preaches. They've adapted. So I think this team is an Elite Eight team. I think they're the second best team in the SEC. I still favor Tennessee in the SEC mm-hmm. regular season just because their physicality and defense will win them enough games and their offense is better, but mm-hmm. it still has those lulls that you, you get frustrated by. That said, their losses were to the number one and number two teams in the country at the mm-hmm. time. So it's not like Tennessee's terrible. But, yes, I'm in on Kentucky. I think they should be an Elite Eight team. Let's move on and talk about Clemson, who dropped 85 points on Alabama, who has a really struggling defense. We're going to talk about whether that's going to hold them back this year in the SEC, and we're going to get to all of that after a word from today's sponsor, Prize Picks. Folks, Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead you all to big payouts like their Taco Tuesday deals. Every Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide you all with even more value. Plus, with Prize Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets hurt. So for NFL or college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and they do not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Price Fix is the only daily fantasy sports platform that has injury insurance. This is unprecedented stuff. And guys, this app is just really easy to use. All you do is pick two or more players 
and you choose more or less with whatever given stat there is. For Wednesday's slate, we're talking ACC, SEC. They got Hunter Salas at Wake Forest, 15 and a half points over Florida. I'm hitting the over there. Salas has been scored about 18, 19 a game. I think he's going to hit that mark against Todd Golden and the Gators. So folks, if you want to join along and hit those bets, go to prizepix.com slash locked on college. Use promo code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's prizepix.com slash locked on college. Use promo code locked on college for a first deposit match of up to $100. Prize picks, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. I leaf. Moving on here in the ACC-SEC Challenge, we're going to talk about the Crimson Tide of Alabama. They dropped the nightcap to Clemson, uh, and it's been a, a rough stretch of games for Alabama. The last three games, they gave up 92 points to Ohio State in the Emerald Coast Classic. That was a loss for them. I think Ohio State uh, is a team we haven't dug into much here, but obviously a team that looked really good in their MTE. We'll see what that means for them in the Big Ten, but after giving up 92, or yeah, 92 to Ohio State, they go ahead and give up 91 to Oregon. Now they won that game because they dropped 99, but Oregon was missing to Folly Dante, their best player. You give up 91 points to a pretty average Pac-12 team who's missing their best player. Then they turn around, come into this ACC-SEC challenge. Offense doesn't really show up, but even still, giving up 85 points to Clemson. Bama's defense under Nate Oates has been a wild state of fluctuation throughout his career in his first year. In 2019-20, they were 114th in adjusted defense at Ken Palm. The next year, they were third. The next year, they were 92nd. The next year, they were third again. And now this year, after the results of Tuesday's game, they are down to 88th. Leaf, what is going on at Alabama and how – is this, is this defense capable of turning things around for the Crimson Tide, or are they kind of destined for being uh, not quite reaching the threshold that we had for them at the beginning of the year? Yeah, I think they were bound to regress defensively. Like, that was no surprise. Losing both Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney, Bidiaco, yeah. all these guys, I had pretty tempered expectations for Alabama coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, that said, I think there is room to improve because mm -hmm. though you don't have those guys, you, you have plenty of good athletes. Mm -hmm. I think when watching them yesterday, they they looked like they were like soft more so than than mm -hmm. experienced and toughened. And I think that can be improved and and want to can be improved. Uh, it shouldn't it shouldn't have like a hey I wanted it more today than I did against Clemson on mm -hmm. November twenty eighth like as they went like down the road. But they should be able to become a tougher unit and more cohesive unit defensively. Uh, that said, I have very little faith in Alabama being anything like people uh, projected them to be. Mm -hmm. um, this is this is not necessarily confirmation bias because they still very well could be good. But it was a team that I didn't rank in my top 25 mm -hmm. of, uh, preseason. I, I just didn't like what they brought back that much. They lost Brandon Miller, so it's mm -hmm. more losing a ton. And then asking Aaron, and, Aaron Estrada, Mark Sears, all these guys to be compensate for what they had offensively and defensively in their front court. They got smaller, and then they asked Grant Nelson to be this revelation and i i like grant nelson but i saw him at the combine he just didn't look at like the athlete that everyone talks about him being he's fluid but he's not very strong he doesn't mm -hmm. wow you against other really good athletes at, at the combine sec is the most athletic league in the country so um i guess and then yesterday tell me i only saw the first half so i'll, I'll mm -hmm. preface it with that um but but i felt like he was bullied by pj hall who was also at the combine and looked outmatched at the combine mm -hmm. um did you did you feel like the front court of Alabama? Other than I thought Woggy did a good job, mm -hmm. but but other than that, did they look like they had any 
wherewithal that can bang with Tennessee or or even Kentucky should they get their big guys or Texas A&M who's ferocious on the glass. So I just I, I think physicality and defenses want to and they just don't look like they have the want to nor the scout scoring prowess that can outscore you enough. Yeah, I wonder how much they were planning to rely on on Nelson as a rim protector because there was that was always a risk. And, and I, I also like Grant Nelson. I, I am really intrigued by the fit for him at Alabama, and we finally got a chance to see him play some some quality teams in these last couple of games here. And, and again, as we've noted, once Bama started playing you know, power six teams, they're giving up 90-plus points. And, and I, you certainly can't pin that all on Nelson by any stretch, but he he hasn't quite developed he's, – he's not that defensive player, and, and I don't know – the, the loss of Betty Ako, I think, surprised Alabama a little bit, and they just weren't able to get a, a rim protector in in the way that I think they wanted to because, yeah, I, I think their front court is talented, but it's not great defensively. And and in other leagues, even other power six leagues, I think their offense would be enough to carry them. But defensively, I worry about this team. I mean, you mentioned some of the – I mean, who, who's going to guard Broom at Auburn? Like, how are they going to handle even teams, you know, like that in the middle of the pack? Mississippi State might be an issue for them. Like, I just – I think that they're – more talented than than most of the teams in the SEC, but I'm, I'm not sure they're even going to finish there just because of some of those concerns defensively. Now, there's a lot of new pieces here. I think they're still finding their spots. Uh, Aaron Estrada has looked very good at times. He's had some really great performances, and I think that we'll see that continue to happen for him. Mark Sears, I mean, that's a great scoring backcourt, and Grant Nelson does have the ability to be impactful, particularly on offense, but the, the pieces haven't quite fit together yet. I think when they do, this team will improve. But I do still think that their ceiling is a bit capped because I think the SEC is going to be really tough for them just to, to handle phys- physically in the front court. Well, Leaf, I want to talk about Clemson because they came out and won this game. And they are now 6-0. and And they might have an argument to be a top 25 team. Ken Pump currently has them at 35 in his rankings. Uh, this was their only Power 6 win. So certainly we haven't quite seen them play the caliber of schedule they need to play to really prove it. But their their, their non-conference wins outside of the, the power conferences are still pretty quality. They have a win over Davidson, a good team in the A-10. They got a win over Boise State, potential tournament team in the Mountain West. They got a win over UAB, who hasn't quite looked as good this year as expected, but still a decent team. Like, did, did this Clemson team impress you in this game? Was it more of a Alabama didn't look good? Kind of where are you at with the Tigers? Uh, some somewhere in the middle of that, I, I bet on Clemson mm-hmm. uh, both to win the first half, to cover the spread in the first half, to have the team total over, to win the game in the second half, and to win outright. So mm-hmm. I was I was fully banking on Clemson, yeah. and I'm happy that came through. So maybe I'll be a little too lenient, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I'll say this: I, I think Clemson was underrated coming into the year just because of what they brought back. Like Mm -hmm. PJ Hall is going to be a first team all ACC guy. I don't think he's a great NBA draft pick, um, but, but that like experience of going to the combine coming back is invaluable. Mm -hmm. They lost Hunter Tyson who in college was good, but I feel like his skill sets better for the NBA, which is why he like was impressed at the summer league, but they mostly brought back a lot. They also brought in a shooter in Joe Girard Mm -hmm. who will help space and they have the interior pretty well manned. And then this emergence of Shefflin, who's just a physical guy on the interior, really punished Alabama. You can see him doing that to other ACC teams. So I think they're a top three ACC team. I yeah. think Duke's the best ACC team. I think I think Carolina is probably so – I should say top four. I think Carolina is mm-hmm. probably better than Miami. And this doesn't all have to do with yesterday watching Miami against Kentucky. I, I've yeah. had some skepticism about Miami. 
I think it's, and then Miami and Clemson to me are probably on a similar part. My, I'd probably favor Miami just by a touch, just because yeah. I trust what Laranega has done the last few years. So they're a top four team in the ACC. And typically a top four team in the ACC is a top 25 team. Yeah. I think they're probably a top six seed in the tournament. Does that seem fair to you? Yep. I think they're probably in that conversation. Yeah, without a doubt. Leaf, I want to move on uh, real quick here, talk about a couple other games here, at least one other game. Uh, we we touched on Syracuse LSU in our preview on, on Tuesday's episode, myself and my co-host Isaac Shade. Uh, I was surprised that the line was only one and a half points in favor of Syracuse. I uh, ended up being a reality there. Uh, Syracuse won by 23 points. Don't want to toot my own horn too much because I also expected that NC State would beat Ole Miss, that Georgia Tech would not beat Mississippi State, uh, and that Pitt would beat Mizzou. So definitely didn't get all of them right. Uh, some surprising results towards kind of the middle of the pack in those two conferences. But uh, let's focus on that Syracuse game because because they absolutely blitzed LSU in this one, held them to, I think, 50, 80 to 57, so held them to 57 points. Uh, Judah Mintz, 33 points, 9 of 16 shooting, did most of his damage from the free throw line. Um, again, want to talk a bit about Syracuse, but also you know, kind of get put your draft hat on a little bit and talk about Mintz because uh, he's looked really, really good throughout the season. He's had some inefficient games. Maui was inefficient for a whole lot of people, but uh, really fantastic performance so far for him in his sophomore year with Syracuse. Yeah, I like Judah Mintz's leap. Uh, I expect him to be an all-ACC first-team guy. Might be the player of the year if they don't favor winning too much because I don't think yeah. Syracuse is that great. But his leap is really – he's just got to do what he does well enough to make it efficient. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is he's really good at getting to the rim. There's no mm -hmm. ifs, ands, or buts about that. He was last year too, but he's got to finish there, and he's got to make the team better for it. And so far, yes, they had inefficient games against uh, Gonzaga. They uh, Syracuse played kind of tight with Tennessee for a while, then Tennessee mm -hmm. was too much. But those teams in Maui were really, really good. And so now that he's playing normal competition instead of top 10, top 15 teams, I, I expect him to put up 20-piece 20 20 nights every night. Um, and then now it's how well can he shoot? And if he shoots it, especially free throw shooting and three-point shooting, uh, if he shoots it well enough to – you know, say, hey, he's an all right shooter. I think he can sneak into the tail end of the first round because he's a good defender. He gets a lot of steals and he puts pressure on the rim. Also, I think that would be aided by the, this class not being a particularly deep one or a particularly mm -hmm. talented one at the top. Well, we're going to close out the show talking about Kansas, who struggled against Eastern Illinois on Tuesday. We're going to wonder if that's a bit of a larger issue for Bill Self and the Jayhawks. Plus, we're going to preview some more games in that ACC SEC challenge. All that coming up after a word from today's sponsor, LinkedIn Jobs. Folks, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% sure that you have access to the best and most qualified candidates available, and that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps find the right people for your team faster, and they do it for free. All you have to do is create a free job post and add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. From there, simple tools like screening questions will make it easy to focus on candidates who have just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering the quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Leaf, let's talk a little bit about the Jayhawks. Moving away from the ACC-SEC Challenge, we'll be back to preview uh, some of those games here in a minute. But want to talk about this game because in the middle of watching a bunch of ACC-SEC games, and for me, I was watching the Gonzaga basketball game as well, 
we started to be put on notice. There was a bit of an alert. Oh, Kansas is struggling at home in Lawrence against this uh, Eastern Illinois team. And, and certainly Kansas, of course, you know, they lost to Marquette in the uh, Maui Invitational. No shame there. They turn around and beat Tennessee. That was a really nice win for them, a needed win for them, I think, to kind of keep them in that conversation. They still were a top five team in the AP poll, which I was a little surprised by. I think they were one spot ahead of Houston, which I would not have them ahead of Houston. I did not have them ahead of Houston. I know we had them sixth uh, in our rankings collectively, you, me, and Isaac. But You've had your reservations about this Kansas team. You've talked about it a few times here on the show, and, and certainly we saw some of those things come to fruition uh, in that game on Tuesday evening. What, wh where are your concerns right now with Kansas, especially after this game? Uh, yeah, I, I just plainly don't like Kansas's team very much. Mm -hmm. the, the construction of the team is so built around Dickinson, and he's mm -hmm. been very, very good, especially yeah. statistically. Uh, that said, when is the last time you've seen a team that's been built around a big guy uh, with no wings mm -hmm. that are scorers go far in a tournament? Yeah. And and I would argue with you that even Purdue had more scorers last mm -hmm. year, and I know they lost to the 16th seed, but they were a very good team, uh, that they would have more scorers. So I'm trying to rack my brain, and I really can't think of any. Yeah. Um, Kevin McCullers playing in a role that is not suited to what he does best. And I think once you get to big 12 play, that may not be as good. Like he's, mm -hmm. he's having quite a year. And if you look at like the NBA draft boards, Kevin McCullers is a known commodity. He's a fifth year yeah. senior, but he's moved up all the way to 26 just because of the volume. He's scoring 18 points a game, seven rebounds, six assists, and he's shooting better from three. But if you look at that better, it's still 29% from three. Mm -hmm. So if that's your primary wing score, Though he's a very good basketball player and he's one of the better players in college basketball, it's not his skill set. That'll that'll regress. Mm -hmm. Dewan Harris is a reluctant scorer. Yes, they beat Kentucky because he shot great. And McCuller had a triple double and Dickinson had a 27 and 21. But who's gonna help? Like right now, McDowell to me mm -hmm. is the most conducive to success in the short term, but I don't think he really helps you in the long run. So what, what they lack is shooting and scoring on their wings. And what I think it is, is I think Arterio Morris is who Bill Self thought was going to be their scorer. And he's run into legal issues. And mm -hmm. I'll just leave it at that. I think that Bill Self was short-sighted in, in creating this roster without much insurance. And unless on El Marco Jackson, who I've been skeptical of as a prospect for a long time, yeah. uh, decides to be the prospect that some people that I respect really think he could be. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think Kansas has a very high ceiling. Yeah. El Marco Jackson and Nick Timberlake just haven't quite been the guys that they need them to be. And, and I, I think you're right that Arterio was probably counted on more than the, the team would like to let on, certainly in light of all the situation that has devolved with him in the, in the last few months. But uh, they got UConn coming up on Friday, a huge game between two right now, top five teams uh, in the AP poll. And I, We'll be honest, I think UConn's going to really show us some of the issues that Kansas has. Uh, I'm incredibly excited for a Hunter Dickinson-Donovan Klingon matchup in the paint. Uh, I think that's going to be absolutely fantastic. Certainly, I think it's an advantage Dickinson offensively, uh, but Klingon's going to be a, a really good force for him to have to try to score around. Uh, and then I think the rest of UConn's team is just, I mean, I think they're just better, honestly. And, and I think we're going to see that play out on Friday. I'm curious as we look at that game, and we may preview it a little bit more later in the week, but... I'm curious your thoughts on that game and if you think that that's a, potentially going to be a, a big showcase for either UConn, how good UConn is, or maybe why there are a lot of concerns about Kansas. I think there's a chance that that 
Kansas could be exposed by UConn's mm-hmm. defense. I yeah. don't think UConn's offense has been that great yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stefan Cassell, uh, mm-hmm. Castle sh- could be back actually, and that yeah. could really things up for UConn. But I think what they're lacking is is they lost such size and athleticism in Andre Jackson, mm-hmm. and then their shooting they tried to supplement it, but Cam Spencer. Has been good in some. He's not been great in others. So I think Kansas has a chance in this game. Yeah. Um, if Dickinson can can score the same way he's been able to score against most people against someone like uh, Donovan Klingon, which makes mm-hmm. it difficult. I think UConn's depth is going to win them this game. Yeah. But I don't think it'll be decisive. I guess I'm a little lower on UConn despite them showing us a lot so far, just mm-hmm. because I think it's hard to have your best scorer be a freshman and i think that's what castle is yeah and everyone else has stepped up nicely but he's been injured and out and i i think i just need to see it first with them i'll acknowledge too that alex caravan has had a really successful sophomore year too and then he'll probably line up with mcculler and mcculler is a great defender so as much as the dickinson Klingon matchup is probably like the the where the eyeballs are going to be i think this game might be one on the wing between mcculler and, and caravan depending on castle's health coming into that one Leaf, I want to end the show here real quick. Uh, just talking about quickly, I'm going to list out the games that we got in this ACC-SEC challenge uh, for Wednesday evening, see if there's anything standing out to you that you're going to be looking for. We got, I think, the biggest matchup, Tennessee at North Carolina. That's a fantastic one. Texas A&M versus Virginia. Florida versus Wake Forest. Duke and Arkansas, another huge one there at Bud Walton Arena. Boston College, Vanderbilt, Georgia, and Florida State. And then Virginia Tech and Auburn, obviously, Leaf, ton of fantastic games. Is there any game, matchup, team, or anything in particular that you're excited for or kind of watching for this evening? I'll just go bold. I think the first three you listed, the SEC will win, two of which were on the road. The next three, I got the ACC winning, and the last one, I'll go SEC. So for those of you who don't track that quite as fast, (laughs) I'm going to go with Tennessee, Mm -hmm. Texas A&M, Florida, Mm -hmm. and then it was for the ACC – I think, uh, what was the first one? I know Duke, the next probably. One. Oh, yeah, Duke. Yeah, Duke will, mm-hmm. Duke will be Arkansas. I, I think that you're going to see a nice performance from Florida State to beat Georgia. Mm-hmm. And then there was one toss-up in there, but but I think the ACC will end up winning it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then Virginia Tech's an interesting one, but yeah. I just I think Auburn's a little too physical. Virginia Tech got exposed by the physicality earlier this uh, this tournament or their, yeah. their previous tournament by FAU and by Texas A&M. So um, I think the SEC is going to win the challenge, but I'm excited nonetheless. I, I can't wait to watch good basketball. Tons of great games coming up. A fantastic slate. We're going to talk about them. You can follow us on Twitter uh, at the Locked On CBB podcast. You can also join our Discord channel. We talked about these games throughout the night on Tuesday. We're going to do it again on Wednesday. The link is in your show notes, folks. You just click that link. It is free to join. We're talking college hoops 24-7. And we'll be back on Thursday, of course, recapping those games, those big games, and talking about the big stuff we got coming up this weekend. Some fantastic games. We talked about Kansas, UConn, of course. Uh, you also got Gonzaga, USC, and Vegas. Some other fantastic games coming up this weekend. So we got all that coming up later this week here on the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. I want to thank all of you for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. And until next time, as always, peace out.